Welcome to the Then Weight Podcast, where we are bridging the gap between able-bodied and disabled people through real talk and real conversations from a wheelchair. What's going on? I got Luke Campbell on today, and I got to talk to him about two different things. Um, he's a preacher, and we'll just get started in the story, man. How you doing today, Luke? Same I'm doing great, cool. Luke. Yeah. <laughs> that is cool. <laughs> doing yeah, great. I'm doing great, Luke. Thanks for having me on. That's good, man. I know you. Uh, we have a mutual friend, uh, Frank. Um, I talk about I talk about my cigar shop that I like to go to a lot. He works up there Wednesdays and Fridays, and he does a Cuban coffee on Fridays. So um, that draws a crowd too. So I I, yeah. I enjoy him. He's pretty. He's a good friend of mine. So um, how's your day going, man? So far, so good, Luke. It's a it's a nice fall day here in Tennessee. So we'll take we'll take those good days when we can. Oh yeah, I'm I'm ready to get out there and enjoy the day for a little bit. What part of Tennessee are you in? <laughs> I'm actually in Cleveland, Tennessee, right now. Oh man, yeah. I would have known that. I was trying to see, get you in um an actual in person interview. I'm in Cleveland, Tennessee too. Oh, myself, so. Okay, cool. Yeah, but, yeah, so um that's always good. So tell me a little bit about. Are you from Tennessee, or you um did you move there? You... Yeah, I, I I grew up in Virginia. Okay. Luke and um, and then I've 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 lived in other places. Lived a couple of years in Oklahoma. Most recently lived in Wisconsin and Illinois, and um, have now lived in in Tennessee again for uh, just over four years. Okay, um, I know that you're a preacher. Is is that why you travel yeah. so much? Um, well, some of that traveling, uh, was, was just due to school, uh, working on education and, and those kinds of things. And then, um, have, have served at, as, as a pastor in different places. And Wisconsin was the last place I served now. And, and I'm now a pastor here in Cleveland. Okay. May I ask what yeah. church you pastor here? Uh, it's called the Mission Cleveland. Yeah. We meet over in the Blythe Oldfield neighborhood and okay. the old Blythe School. Uh huh. How's that going for you? Is it? It's great. Yeah, we we're just having a good time growing. We're about a five year old church. Okay. And um, yeah, check us out. We'd love to have you come and visit if you're ever open for that. But um, you know, we we just love love Jesus and and love to get to know people too. And just think there's a lot of beauty in our world that sometimes can be missed. Yeah, you're definitely right about that. Um, like I was saying before we actually got on to the interview, I, I have a, a background in church, and I, I did a church. I've been going to church since I was 15. I don't really go too much mm -hmm. now um, mm -hmm. because I have a – I call it love, hey. I, I, I love uh, I love church and what church can – I love the community of church and what it brings, but I've, I've also mm -hmm. seen another side of it that I don't like. And so these couple of years I've been finding community – other places still get you know, sure. Bad, but I, I, sure. Like I said, I always enjoy the community, but um, yeah. So what? So this is a disability awareness uh, thing. So do you do you get any disabled disabled people that come to your church and like how do you accommodate uh, them? Is that like mm -hmm. a big thing? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um. 
Well, we do. I, I would say um, most, and I, I want to speak kind of broadly for the churches that I've been a part of, you know, yeah. and I, I think, I think disability is a, a pretty, pretty large framework. Like when we, when we look at individuals who have um, experienced or are experiencing some form of disability, you know, that might be, you know, physical uh, disability that might also be some, some aspect of mental health as well. I mean, it's a pretty broad category, at mm-hmm. least how I see it. Um, so I'd say um, yes. And I'm so very glad that we, you know, the churches I've been a part of are um, receptive, open, and and can even like just celebrate the reality of diversity across mm-hmm. all abilities. And um, but I, but I also don't want to lead anyone astray and say, you know, like we've got that figured out because I think there's a lot that we could do differently. You know, I think, I think for starters, you know, I mean, just having access accessibility to the building, that's, that's one thing. Mm-hmm. But then I also want to ask questions about like, how do you like for someone that might have uh, a particular disability, but still wants to serve in the church, you know, what is that? what does that mean? You know? And so how do we, how do we integrate everyone into the full life of the church? Right. Or, mm-hmm. or, or are we so, are we so concerned with trying to perfect a particular version of church that we exclude some people and some voices? And so I would say we're, we're aware of, of that goal and, and that hope, that desire. Um, but I also just want to be really frank and honest here and say, you know, we've got a lot to learn too, you know? And so, um, you know, I'm, I guess we, we would be on the journey with other churches that, that just aren't perfect, man. <laughs> yeah. The, the one thing, um, the one thing about this podcast and why I like to do this podcast, cause I say bridging the gap between able-bodied and disabled, um, uh, we have to work together. Cool. We have to work mm-hmm. together to, um to be better in life and mm. like me as a disabled person i can't get mad at you and say well this is this ableist mindset and doing this and, not, and doing that um because mm. majority of the time it's um, out of sight out of mind and yeah. so if i can come to you and say look this is this is a problem um let's work together to fix it you know we'd be better off as sure. human beings in this role would be just better so and like I said, I I, come, I have a background in church. I was a youth leader. My, one of my best friends. Wow. When he started off, was a youth pastor. You know, he's he's mm-hmm. still in the ministry to this day, um, and he gave me a lot of chances. Um, and you know, but uh, for, fortunately for me, he could pick me up and give me rides I, when I go to church because I don't drive, and and, and mm-hmm. things like that. And um, so I was pretty fortunate. But there's still people that want to have those roles in church that probably can't mm-hmm. get looked over because they're, they have a disability and sure. um, you say like the church looks for perfection and mm. when you sit in a wheelchair or you have a limp or something like that, it doesn't come, ac- come across as perfect. You know, if mm-hmm. I was to go to, a, to altar calls, you know, um, I had a friend mm-hmm. back in the day say, I would think that the hardest part of my life is being in a wheelchair. And I would say that's probably, it's not the easiest, but it's probably the easiest thing I, I 
deal with in my day. I know at the end of the day, I'm still going to be in a wheelchair. You know, I still have bills to be paid. I still have a lot of things happening in my life. And being in a wheelchair is most time, I don't even think about that part of my life because it's that, you know, it's just that. It's most, it's, mm. it's the most consistent thing in my life, honestly. Mm. Wow. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, when yeah. I go and people pray and it's like, uh, they pray for the wrong thing sometimes. And mm. I understand it, but I, I feel like it's the part of the church wanting to be perfect. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think, I think one of, again, like I, I want to be really clear with um, just kind of the realistic picture of, of the mm -hmm. church. You know, I, I, I love the church. Um, I'm a pastor and uh, have have just committed a lot of my life to the church and mm -hmm. and um, but I also realize the church is not perfect, you know. Mm -hmm. And I think the world right now is hungry for the vulnerable church, mm -hmm. the church that that doesn't even try to be perfect but just kind of owns our own mess. Yeah. Um, but but also recognizes like you know we we could hurt people you know like when we get together in communities as beautiful as community is mm -hmm. um, there is a tyranny of normalcy you know like we we're trying to create like this kind of normal perspective and and if we could if we could find a way you know with like um, Luke so, someone with with your expertise you know, it could, it could even help us in this area, you know, help the church in this area, find a way to drop that, you know, to mm -hmm. say like, we don't like, what, what, what do you gain when you just have a bunch of normal in, in a community? Like the beauty of community is the diversity that comes into view and, and just the expression of multiple voices, mm -hmm. you know, coming together in one song, you know, and like, do, do we always do that? Well, no, we don't. Right. Because mm -hmm. even, even, even when, get in the community sometimes we cluster together in our own our, our own enclaves and and still kind of create divisions and mm -hmm. you know there there's a sadness to that but I, but i do hope for the church that if we're if we're really taking our our, our cues from jesus you know like we're stepping into a vulnerable place mm -hmm. and and saying like I, i'm not sure exactly how all this ends um at the end of the day like if we can if we can do church perfectly i don't think that's our goal but i but i do think we get closer to the life of christ when we when we say i will i will make the sacrifices to honor and serve you as another human being mm -hmm. and and that that actually means that no matter what your ability or disability is no matter what you bring to the table like you do have some expertise and you have something to offer this community that is good and pure and that we need that we're actually more full when we are different and also expressive with our differences and that's that's a big thing of why i like to do the podcast and i want to get more into the to to being an advocate for the disabled. Mm. Um, mm. Actually, the other day I got a chance to be on the panelist um, for, um, the, I, there's a guy that I, I did a show with, uh, he was on the podcast last year, and he does a lot of dis disabled disability advocacy in Pennsylvania, so I was able mm. to be on the panelist, and, and and that's one thing that I talked about was, you know, being at the table, and once you're at the mm. table, you 
that's where you're able to make impact. You know, a lot of people that I deal with, you know, and I talk about that out of sight, out of mind thing. They see me, yeah. they care about me as a person. They, they, so it's like, well, if we do things, we got to make sure Luke can do this too. So in terms, mm-hmm. when, when they get, when they make sure I'm straight, they make sure other people with disabilities are straight. Even if they don't mm-hmm. know you, they, they love me and they care about me. So that is a trickle effect to the next person. And mm-hmm. I, and I mm-hmm. talked about staying at the table because you're making an impact and you're doing something great. So, um, more people, but I also, you talk about, uh, the church not being perfect. The disabled world is not perfect too, because I, I look around and they, they, they aren't perfect either. You know, they, they do sure. things and they hold people accountable without, they, sometimes the disability, uh, community holds people accountable without them actually knowing that they're accountable. Like they don't know this information. So this is why I say, I, if I can put you on game, if I can give you the information, I can't blame you if you didn't know. But if I have a conversation with you and, and then you still do it, then we have a problem. You're not wanting to be mm-hmm. progressive. So um, mm-hmm. if I be perfectly honest, I, that's why I say, look, I just want to bridge the gap. Like we have to understand each other because I don't want to be like, I don't want to take the sides like, we take this side and you take this side. It's not, it's not a war. It's about working together. And sure. so, um, mm. but I, I, I like, uh, I like your thought process with all those things. And, um, so you, we was talking earlier, you have a, a daughter. She says she's 17. Right? Sure. So talk to me mm-hmm. a little bit about her. Yeah. Yeah, so my, um, my my introduction into uh, I guess we could call it the world of disability um, uh, really really started actually even before even before my my daughter was born I um, my parents my parents when I was younger purchased a um, a nursing home in Virginia and um, it was in like the the mid eighties and. Um, I always think it's kind of like it was it was at the same kind of time a lot of like the deinstitutionalization was going on with mental health. And so what, what I think the expectation was, was, um, you know, that they would buy this nursing home and, and run and operate this nursing home. It would be mostly older folks who, mm-hmm. who just didn't have family to take care of them. Mm-hmm. And and actually, what what happened was there, um, they they ended up having a lot of residents of that nursing home who were even younger but had some form of disability, whether that was mental health or physical health or, or whatever. And so these were these were my neighbors, you know, these were my wiffle ball partners when I when I was a kid, you know, and I, I kind of got to know in um in a, in a kind of an isolated place in virginia where i didn't have real neighbors i didn't live in a neighborhood you know but these the 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 men and women who lived in the nursing home were my friend my, my childhood friends and mm-hmm. so so i kind of like that that became kind of a normal for me you know to have mm-hmm. to have friends who had some kind of 
um, challenge in life that, you know, my younger eyes didn't really understand, but mm-hmm. still like, you know, as a kid, sometimes you just accept it. You know, you have more, a lot of times, not, not every time, but a lot of times as a, as a younger person, you know, you're just more accepting of difference. Like you just, you know, it's just like yeah. part of life. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and so, you know, I kind of, I kind of grew up in that world and then, um, eventually moved away my my parents sold that nursing home but then when i was in my 20s uh, my my our first daughter was born and she actually had a stroke before she was born okay. and, you know which her, her mother and i had no idea that could even happen and when when we kind of got the news we knew that she wasn't meeting benchmarks in her life and and so about six months old we had some tests run and mm-hmm and realized that she had a stroke. And and so for her, that meant that the left side of her body didn't work the same as the right side of her body. So even opening and closing her left hand, grasping things with her left hand. I mean, she did eventually learn how to walk and um, can walk just fine today, but still has some limitations in the use of her left side and doesn't use her left hand the same way she uses her right hand. and she's 17 years old. So, you know, over the last 17 years, we've traveled this road of, you know, working with school systems, for example, and IEPs and yeah. um, even thinking about, um, you know, the, the, the networking with resources. We've lived close to Milwaukee. We've lived close to Chicago and just trying to understand the resources that a community actually has is itself uh, tremendously challenging. You know, you almost need like a guide to help you get connected to all the resources that are available in a, in a neighborhood or in a city. Um, mm-hmm. There's just so many of them, right? And so um, oftentimes for, for individuals with, with disabilities, like there there is someone out there that can help. But, um, you know, if that person wants help, there's usually someone out there that can help. But getting connected to that person it's like trying to find a, a needle in a haystack, you know, it's so challenging to find that person. Um, so I, and, and one of the things that I, that I recognize too, like in having a daughter who has a disability is my version of what is like the perfect life. I mean, we, we literally had a house with a white picket fence and a mm-hmm. cool dog and all that stuff. Right. Mm-hmm. And then our daughter was born and, we realized like this whole version of perfection is just fake, you know, like it's just flimsy. And like, we've been after something that actually isn't healthy for us in this world, right. To, to try to cultivate this version of perfection and, and, and maybe, maybe what's more healthy for us is to, to learn how to um, recognize our limits and know that there's this interdependence that we all have of one another as human beings to mm-hmm. say, like, when I can't when I can't do certain things or if I have limitations in certain areas, maybe maybe the, the, the deeper view of perfection is to recognize that um, my connecting to another person and, and the, the, the beauty of that community or that relationship actually is a picture of. Uh, something heavenly, you know, something beyond what we can like cultivate on our own by buying a nice house and having the beautiful yard and, and the kind of picturesque life that maybe we could cultivate on our own. 
but maybe maybe that's got some emptiness to it you know maybe there's something beyond that that actually creates more fullness for us as human beings i definitely agree with you and um i think our, our image of perfect is you know jesus like i think jesus represented mm-hmm. not just mm-hmm. able-bodied but he represented the disabled like he oh. represents beauty there's beauty in everything and um mm-hmm. like being in a wheelchair or having a disability doesn't define me that's a part of me but it doesn't define me but the way we look at jesus and there's a book um i can give to you i don't know if you like reading books but oh yeah uh, I'm starting to read a lot of books with Christianity and, and people with disabilities and, and hear them mm-hmm. talk about their uh, perspective in church. And, um, mm-hmm. Talked about like, we're still a part of this community, like there's beauty in the, being disabled, mm-hmm. you know? And um, mm-hmm. I can't, I can't like say it the way she said it. She said it so, you know, profound. And, and I was like, oh man, this is, this is great. But that's, but those, this, those are some of the principles I've been learning over the last couple of years, mm-hmm. you know, because yeah. I don't think I accepted being in a wheelchair until I was about 29, 30 years old. And I'm 37 now. Mm. And, wow. Um, and there's a little bit of a, a, a lot of things of why that is. Um, but, um, but to get to the point I'm rambling on, um, I never really had a, 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 a parent with a, uh, of a child that had a disability. So, mm-hmm. um, so I know I had an IEP, but I don't know too much about IEPs. Can, mm-hmm. can you talk to me a little bit about a little bit about that? Yeah, yeah. So so every and and I'm I'm speaking as a parent. Like an educator would have a lot more description on on yeah. these, but an, but an, an IEP is an indiv- individualized education plan. Mm-hmm. I believe is what that stands for, and and so um, each. Each year, uh, the like if a, if a student does have an IEP, that that simply means, and again, like I, I'll be limited in my description here because I'm not an educator, but my understanding as a parent is that provides some resources for your child, for the student, to to be able to get the accommodations mm-hmm. and adjustments that they need for their particular education. So. It's actually a really helpful thing, and it and 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 secondarily, it gives it gives parents. Um, sometimes parents don't realize how much advocacy power they have in negotiating an individualized plan for their child, right? And so, if I mean, and, and IEPs are written not just for uh, physical limitations, but also you know, uh, maybe cognitive. Um, areas of, of deficit or, or challenge, you know, so if someone were having challenges with, you know, math or something like that, they might, they might be able to get an IEP. You know, there, there's a couple of different versions of that. One's called, it's not an IEP, it's called a 504 plan. Um, so it's kind of a, a, a distinction from an IEP, but an IEP is really a helpful resource for parents mm-hmm. to advocate for their children and, and kind of design a way of, of moving through the academic setting of, of high school, middle school, high school, even some elementary, um, in a way that the student gets accommodations based on their needs. Okay. You know, so there's goals that, that um, teachers and educators would have to be 
you know, respectful of and, and resources available based on the plan that's written. I got you. Yeah. So that's, I mean, that's pretty big. So, you know, I, yeah, I, asked, I, I don't, um, I got a couple, a friend of mine that's a special education teacher that I'm going to have on a podcast yeah. soon. So I'll get the more yeah. in-depth version of that, but uh, you're a parent. That'd be great. Want you, you know, I wanted you to, you know, talk to other parents that listen to the show yeah. and, yeah. you know, give it from a parent to parent. And um, mm-hmm. do, you, do you have any advice for, you know, parents that's coming into school and um, getting to the school with a kid that may mm-hmm. need special needs yeah. education? <laughs> I, I, I would say... I would say, you know, 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 get to know the the special education or I think in Tennessee, it sometimes is called exceptional education, mm-hmm. get to know the staff. I mean, the, 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 the educators have an extremely challenging job. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I have a lot of empathy for any teachers who are doing that work. Um, and uh you know the system of education sometimes sometimes a a student just doesn't really fit into the educational system that's been designed mm-hmm. and and so um get to know get to know the teachers that are working with your children i would say and then also get to know the rules get to know the regulations you know be aware of the the, the advocacy power that you do have for your child and, um, you know, find support and, uh, you know, talk to others, talk to other parents, get to, you know, if there's a support group close to you around having a child with a disability and working in the school system, you know, I, I, I'm a pretty strong advocate for that, you know, because it really is hard to know how to even navigate the system and and how to even advocate it just because it's such a such a strange world to most parents and so go to the meetings make the meetings sit down with the teachers get to know them get to know your your child's needs and and how you communicate them in the context of education that's a lot of work you know and um i would just say lastly just be kind to yourself if you walk out of a meeting and it didn't go well or you think your your student your child's not getting what they need from the education system? I, I just would really be cautious of any parent that gets really hard on themselves. You know, I I firmly believe we do the best we can with what we have. Um, so be kind to yourself and and you know do as best you can to connect to the resources around you, both support, friends, family members, as well as just knowledge of the system and the school itself. I got you. Well, I try to keep it short for you. I know you're a busy man, so um, mm-hmm. I definitely appreciate your time with sitting down with me today and talking talking to me. Um, give me your name of your church again. Yeah, the, the name of the church is the Mission Cleveland Parish. It's in Cleveland, Tennessee. You have any social media for it or anything? Yeah, we've got a website, website, also Facebook and Instagram. So feel free to check us out on on those places. And um, my name is Luke Campbell. So you feel free to to connect with me if you have any other questions or just want to sit down and get a cup of coffee. And um, Luke, man, I'd, I'd love to sit down with you sometime and get to know you more, too. 
Yeah, man, I have your number, so let's set something up, man. I, I enjoy talking. And yeah. I, yeah, I say I enjoy talking, but off the camera, this mic, it still has me, like, uncomfortable sometimes. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, man, let's set something up. I'm, I'm for real, man. I, I would like to get down and talk. And, like I said, I have a background in church. We talk about church, life. It don't matter. Um, just have a conversation, man. And, yeah, just talk about life. It'd be great. Yes, sir, man. All right. I look forward to you, man. And I'm going to follow your Instagram and things like that, and I'll let you know when the episode's coming out. Great. So, man. All right, Luke. All right, man. Thanks, man. You have a good it's day. Good to see you. Yes, yeah, sir. you too. Bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Then Wait Podcast. If you believe in what we're doing, be sure to rate, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to the podcast and check out our Patreon page. Don't forget that you have worth and value. And if you are ever in need of encouragement, feel free to connect with us on our socials.